we threw out this as a possibility, and I won't mention this every week, but I want to mention it a little bit just in terms of uh, why this series and why I'm approaching what I am. And that is, we said, you know what, this would be a great time. This would be a wonderful time for each of us individually and as families and as a church body collectively to say, let's refresh our commitment to the role church has. Let's refresh our commitment to God being at work in our midst, to God doing something. And, and friends, I, I just got to tell you, I see things. I see things around me. I'm just so encouraged by that. You know what? I truly believe God is doing something. And I won't sit here and list them because the clock will get away from me. Uh, but I, ask me afterwards if you'd like to know because I really am excited about that. So in light of that, decided that, you know what? We can get excited easily, but we can also get, there's pushback. We're in a spiritual battle. We can be slowed down. We can run into things that kind of cause us to go, well, is that, do I really want to maintain this commitment through the difficulties? And so we've begun a series which we've entitled Headwinds, a series from the book of Acts. And the point of this series is to kind of reveal to us that from day one of the church, there have been headwinds. The church has always been built against oncoming forces that are seeking to prevent its progress. And so I just wanted to use the book of Acts to look at a few of those things. Have you noticed, eh, maybe, maybe that's not a good way to put that. I'll just tell you where I come from as, we, as we're entering into this. What I, what I, a number of years ago, came to a place that when I read a particular article that I know it can be a little bit on the, well, it might have some controversial elements to it. I never read the comments. I gave up reading comments. You know why? Because the comments, you go about, I always figure it's estimated it's about six comments deep, and now the comments become personal, ugly, uncivil, and uh, very much like, I don't want to read this. I don't want to read anything more that is here. So that if, you, if you, you read an article on global warming, okay, and if the article, somebody comments on something, or if the article itself is not pro-global warming, pretty soon somebody's being called a climate denier. We just call them a name, and now we've, it's degraded. Okay? I'm old school. I, I come from a worldview that says there are, you can count them, two genders. That's it. There are two. I'm not saying there isn't confusion after that, but there are two genders. Try and put that out there in this day and age and pretty soon you're going to you know, be called a homophobe and all these other things. You're going to identify you as a hater. Okay, well, sorry, the Bible seems to identify male and female created he, them. I got to go with that, right? That's where I'm coming from. And as we try and do that as believers, we are going to take heat for that. Another one, I had a chance to, had a chance, and I think I mentioned this to you, I had a chance uh, a couple months back during our early ministry in the summer, and it put me in contact with somebody who um, has worked, the, they're from the border up here, but they work the, the Arizona border. And so I asked him, what is real? What's really going on there? You know, what's this deal about the wall? Is it good? Or, Absolutely needs a wall. He said, I have seen enough. I've found enough dead bodies in the desert to know that we need the wall. You know, I've seen how they're exploiting the poor in order to get stuff across the border or get money from them. 
And we need to get a control on this thing. Absolutely need the wall. Okay, so you speak to somebody of the possibility, but speak to somebody about needing a wall, and what are you? You're a racist. Okay, you're a hater. All right? It's not, that's not true. It's just like, look, the poor are being exploited. Let's get some control on this thing. People die because of this thing, but nope, nope. And so today's text is going to speak to that, those, not those issues. We're not playing with those issues anymore. I'm just giving them a, illustratively of, of the thought I want us to take, and I'm going to front load this one with the thought. Your notes, you can fill them in right now if you choose. By the way, we are not going to be in Acts 1, 3 to 5. We're going to be in Acts 3 to 5. The chapter is 3 to 5. I looked. The mistake is entirely mine. Trying to put exactly there what I texted or sent her, and so this is my bad, all right? So it's Acts 3 to 5, and we're going to have a lot of reading to do, so I'm trying to keep it moving along here. And here's what I think we can see. When the message disturbs people's security, the messenger may experience animosity. It doesn't matter what the message is. You want to talk about global warming, well, if I'm a person who's all caught up in global warming, you disturb me on that, and now you're going to get some heat back from me. All right? The gender issues, whatever, the things that I've mentioned. We see it all the time, but you'll notice in your note that it says, when the message, capital M, that's intentional. That's not a misprint. The message that is the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. When it disturbs people's security, the messenger may experience animosity. So, let's dig into the scriptures and see why we're stating it this way. Again, a lot of reading, but it's a great story. And I'm going to have to jump. I'm going to go, and we're going to skip, and we're going to skip. Uh, because we're not going to be able to read five or three full chapters, and there's stuff in there that's being set up for some other discussions, because this is how Luke writes the book of Acts. So if you'll go with me, Acts chapter 3. While we're here, I should mention, chapter 1, when we did look in chapter 1, they were told to wait in Jerusalem until the Spirit came. They would receive power and be witnesses, Judea, Samaria, the othermost parts of Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the othermost parts of the earth. That's what they were told. Acts chapter 2, the Spirit has come, and that power is being poured out. And so when we get to Acts chapter 3, we're going to see a demonstration of the Spirit's power, just as Jesus had promised. Okay? We good? Because we've skipped chapter 2. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, Look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. 
And all the people saw him walking and praising God. They knew that it, was, that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Now as the lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the porch, which is called Solomon's, greatly amazed. So when Peter saw it, he responded to the people. And now he's going to give the second sermon which he gives in the book of Acts. We've already skipped the first one. Men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why look so intently at us as though by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But you denied the Holy One and the just and asked for a murderer to be granted to you and killed the Prince of Life, whom God raised from the dead, of which we are witnesses. Friends, the early, the early sermons that you hear in the church, they're about this reality. The one who you killed, God has raised up. And it is a proclamation of the resurrection time and time and time again. And they are eyewitnesses to what they are saying. And then they, of course, are calling people to repentance, to believe in his name. All right, verse 16. And his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. And then he goes on to describe more about their rejection of Christ. All right? I'm going to drop down to chapter 4, verse 1. So here's this fascinating incident that has taken place, right, in chapter 3. This guy... Lame. Everybody expected him to be there every time they went to the temple. That's kind of was his place to do his asking for alms. And uh, this guy is up and walking. And it has created a stir. You can only imagine, right? Okay. Now as they spoke to the people, chapter 4, verse 1, the priests, the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them, being greatly disturbed that they taught the people and preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. Now you can imagine the disturbance, right? Because these are the same religious leaders who, well, for the Sadducees, we know they didn't believe in the resurrection, so this totally confounds their worldview, number one. But number two, it was just literally a matter of weeks ago that they crucified Christ in order to get him out of the way. They couldn't have this problem anymore of all the people that were following him. So they had him put to death, as Peter has described in his sermon. So they are greatly disturbed that they're teaching the people and preaching. And they laid hands on them, verse 3, and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. However, many of those who heard the word believed and the number of the men came to be about 5,000. Now, on the first day, about 3,000 came to faith. I'm assuming the church has grown now to the number of 5,000, according to that wording. And it came to pass on the next day that their rulers, elders, and scribes, as well as Annas the high priest, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, and as many as were of the family of the high priest, were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, By what power... Or by what name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, 
rulers of people and elders of Israel, if this day we are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands before you whole. This is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. You can imagine that kind of set them on edge. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled. I just got to stop for a moment there. Evan knows where I'm going. He can tell you what I'm going to say next. The uneducated and untrained men. The original word in the original language, uneducated, is agrammatoi, from which we get grammar, from which we get grammar school. The next word is idiotes, from which we get common, but more, what it comes through to us is simply idiot, one who doesn't know anything. So, in my paraphrase, if I ever write a paraphrase, what I'm going to say is, uh, here's, here's how I'm going to paraphrase it. Uh, they perceived that they're a bunch of idiots who never even graduated out of grammar school. Is about how they viewed them. At least that's how it comes through to me, and it just caused me to chuckle. And then they marveled. They were first disturbed, and now they marvel that these guys who were idiots who never graduated from grammar school are preaching with such boldness and such understanding. And they realized that they had been with Jesus. Oh, it caused them to think, wait a second, there's a connection here. What we thought was out of our way weeks ago, and we had solved that problem. Hmm. Those who'd been with him, we still have a problem. They are still holding to who he is, what they claim he is, and what they claim has happened. And he has apparently impacted their lives very significantly that they are standing here proclaiming what they are. Verse 14, and seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, isn't this interesting, they could say nothing against it. They too are eyewitnesses, whether they like it or not, they are eyewitnesses to what has taken place by the power of the Spirit. But when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves saying, what shall we do with, to these men? For indeed that a notable miracle has been done through them is evidence who all dwell in Jerusalem and we cannot deny it. Remember when Christ was first raised, the, the tomb was found empty and they went to the chief priests and they said, well, just tell them that his, that his followers came, told, stole the body away and we'll cover for you. Okay, here's an excuse. Well, here's the excuse for you. And this guy is standing right in front of them, who they saw. 
<laughs> they knew who he was. They'd passed him many times. Maybe often they had even themselves given something to him. We cannot deny it. But so that it spreads no further among the people, let us severely threaten them that from now on they speak to no man in his name. Can't deny what's happened, but we've got to shut this down so they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Again, their eyewitness, earwitness testimony. First-hand testimony. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way of punishing them because of the people, since they all glorified God for what had been done. For the man was over 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing had been performed. Think about that, friends. Think about how much it brought the reality of this to them. Forty years he is known to have been lame. Forty years. And now he's walking before them. How do you deny that? How do, you, how do you do a workaround with that one? What excuse do you give when everybody has seen it, including yourself? All right, so now they've been threatened, and in the following next following section, the disciples are going to pray for, for boldness. And then, as things progress, Luke writes about some other things happening, which we will pick up next week, which will take us into the early part of chapter 5. But I want us to drop down as they have prayed for boldness, as the Spirit of God continues to uh, come in a powerful way demonstrating uh, His presence among them. I want to drop down to uh, chapter 5, verse 17. Then the high priest rose up, and all those who were with him... Oh, because they're continuing to preach, okay? They're continuing to preach. They're not, uh, they're not uh, letting up at all. In fact, it had developed so much so at this point that so many people are being healed that they're, they're just trying to get in the shadow of Peter and John, hoping that that alone will be enough to heal them. I mean, it's an amazing thing that's going on. Verse 17, The high priest rose up, and all those who were with them, which is the sect of the Sadducees... And they were filled with indignation. Now they're just, you know, personally affronted that they didn't stop when they told them. And they laid their hands on the apostles and put them in the common prison. But at night an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, Go, stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. And when they had heard that, they entered the temple early in the morning and taught. But the high priest and those with him came and called the council together with all the elders of the children of Israel and sent to the prison to have them brought. But when the officers came and did not find them in the prison, they returned and reported, saying, Indeed, we found the prison shut securely and the guards standing outside before the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. Now, when the high priest, the captain of the temple, and the chief priest heard these things, they wondered what the outcome would be. Can you just imagine they wondered? Can you just imagine that they are now, hey, we put them into prison, we threatened we threaten them, we put them into prison, and they're not even in the prison when we go looking for them. Now what is going to happen? So one came and told them, saying, Look, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. And the message continues to move forward. Then the captain with the officers, uh, and, uh, then the captain went with the officers and brought them without violence, for they feared the people, because they know we've got to be really careful how we're moving here, lest they should be stoned. 
And when they had brought them, they set them before the council. And the high priest asked them, saying, Did we not strictly command you not to teach in his name? And look, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood on us. Does not that give you just a little bit of a sense as to their frustration and where they're coming from? One, we told you. Who do you think you are? We told you not to preach in his name. And two, you are determined through this preaching to make us not look so good. And for us to be held accountable for this man, this man being Jesus, right? His blood, which they did shed, and which is the message that, that Peter and John are sharing. You're determined to make us out to be murderers. But Peter and the other apostles answered and said, again, we ought to obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you murdered by hanging on a tree. Him, God has exalted to his right hand to be prince and savior, to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are his witnesses to these things. And so also is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. And when they heard this, they were furious. I just think it's interesting following their emotional reactions. They began by being greatly disturbed, and by the time with what they first see, by the time they're done, they are furious that they have been withstood, and nobody, uh, and, and clearly these people that they're trying to get to shut up are not going to shut up. And now they've had it. When they heard this, they were furious and plotted to kill them. Hey, let's kill the next generation of people proclaiming something about Jesus. We killed Jesus himself. We can kill these people. Then one in the council stood up, a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law held in respect by all the people, and commanded them to put the apostles outside for a little while. And he said to them, because they're ready to kill him now, Men of Israel, take heed to yourselves what you intend to do regarding these men. And we're going to skip what his argument is. But basically, he references a guy by the name of Thutis, another guy by the name of Judas, not Iscariot, another Judas. And uh, he says, look, these guys that were making big claims, they died. Their whole thing just fell apart, okay? They were not a problem. He says, and now I say to you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or this work is of men, it will come to nothing, like these other two examples. But if it is of God, you cannot overthrow it, lest you even be found to fight against God. And they agreed with him. And when they had called for the apostles and beaten them, they commanded they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. So they departed, so they, the disciples, departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer for his name. And daily in the temple and in every house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. That is an interesting little account, to say, to say the least. A couple of thoughts I'd just like us to wrap this up with. Shouldn't those religious leaders have been happy for the guy? Think about that. Here's a guy we've watched for 40 years. We've known that this guy has never been able to walk. He's walking. Shouldn't they be happy that there's been restoration? Don't we, don't we, how many times have I heard you spontaneously applaud when we've been able to say that there's been healing to somebody or something has worked well and God has answered prayer in a good way and you guys just break out in applause, praising God with your applause, 
right? You're thankful for that. Isn't that what we do? Shouldn't these as religious leaders be ones of compassion and kindness? And they're angry that this guy has been healed. They're bothered by this reality. Huh. You see, when the message disturbs people's security, it's a little difficult because they're committed to a particular message. How can they miss the point of what's going on here? They're not denying the reality of something happening, are they? They, they don't deny that reality. All they can think of is shutting up the people who are talking about it. They're furious and ready to kill them. Let's not even begin to think that they might have something significant to say. We've seen them personally be agents of an incredible miracle in our midst, but we are not going to listen to them. We're not going to hear what it is they might have to say, you see, because the message is disturbing their security. I want us to consider this, friends, because we get excited. We get excited about one as we're saying, hey, let's, let's come together and, and let's collectively be something effective for God this next year. Let, let's just have a new and fresh way of looking at things, a new commitment, and let's see what God will do. And we celebrate when we hear about God's moving. You, you spontaneously applauded for Mike. I didn't, I didn't know exactly what Mike might say. You didn't know what you might hear, but he said he came back to the Lord, and you're all like this. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Something good is happening here. We're celebrating that. How do they miss the point that these, these apostles have a message accompanying this miracle? See, it's not about the miracle. The miracle isn't the end. The miracle is a means of giving credence to what the apostles are saying. It gives credibility to the message that they are bringing. That Jesus is indeed the Christ. That God has raised him up. That he has sent his spirit to be powerfully and effectively impacting people's lives. Why don't they just see it? Well, I think it, it might be something no more tricky than this, friends. And this is true for all of us. Believer or not, these people, as well as people in this day and age, as well as you and I, spend a lifetime creating a world that we can understand and that makes us secure. We spend a lifetime looking for answers to try and understand things in such a way that we could find some security in them, and this seems to fit, and this works for my mind. Okay. And once I have that, don't disturb it. And it's the old, I made up my mind, don't confuse me with the facts kind of a thing is what they're being confronted with. And we're the same way. If something presses upon us and it disrupts the, our security, we too are resistant to it. I can recall when first starting to grow in... in uh, my relationship with the Lord. I uh, took my dad away for a weekend, just the two of us. And uh, one, just to enjoy time with him, but there was a secondary purpose, and that was to ask him about his relationship with the Lord. 
And because, uh, you know, we'd been talking about it and he would leave the room if we raised the question of the things of God and he was not having any of it. And so I found a moment and I thought I, gotta, I have to ask him. And as soon as I began the conversation, his response was, you're nothing but a Baptist and you can't talk to them. End of conversation. See, he was not, whatever his thinking was about the Lord, he was not going to let me infringe upon that in any way. And I don't know what had happened in his life in the past. He never talked to us about it. I wish he had. One of those things about having a dad who wasn't really there in our lives that I wish I knew. My mom, when we tried to share Christ, we being my brother, uh, we tried to share Christ there, and her response was, you're telling me that everything I raised you in, because she's the one who took us to church, everything I raised you in is wrong. You're telling me it was wrong. We're shaking the security that she had. Okay, so she's resisting this message that we are bringing. Where I think, and I mentioned this to a Sunday school class this morning, I think, I think the, the atheists in our midst are gaining a foothold they're, they're gaining credibility, and they're very happy to use that. And so we're going to need, need to keep speaking to them and ministering to them. And um, I, I've got, you know, I just happened to cross paths twice in the course of this last week with two who uh, I've invited to be here many, many times. I don't expect them to come because they have created around themselves something in which they find their security. So I don't expect them to come and truly, uh, hey, willingly, openly just go, hey, yeah, come and tell me about this thing you call truth. No, they think they've got it in their world, and I'm crazy because the preaching of the cross is to those who are perishing foolishness, right? My point being, friends, whoever it is we're going to be trying to reach because, you know, our, our mission statement is advancing the kingdom of God by reaching developing people for God. We want to be involved in that. We want to move forward. We want to, we're saying, hey, we want to have an exciting time as, as a church family this next year, and we want to see people come to Christ, and we want to see God move in incredible ways. And I just want to remind us there'll be some headwinds because the message we bring may shake a few people's security. They may not be able to receive it. That, of course, is why it can only happen with the Spirit of God at work in our lives, working through us. We can't change anybody. All right. But here's a couple of thoughts to take directly that will keep us moving forward. How to continue to move forward even though the headwinds are there. Number one, the disciples asked a couple times. We read it, okay? 419, 529. Is it, do we, uh, do we uh, obey you or God? When they said, don't tell us this message anymore. Don't speak in his name. Don't talk about a resurrection. Uh, wait, wait. Who do I take my orders from? I think it's interesting the way he asked, they asked the religious leaders. You, you judge this. Should we listen to you or to God who has revealed all this to us? Okay, that's one. Where do, who are we going to listen to, friends? That's number one. Number two, in 423 to 31, which we had to skip over just for the sake of time, they prayed for boldness. They didn't pray for protection. I thought that was interesting. They prayed for boldness to continue to speak the word. I thought that was very, very interesting. And then, I think it was just, just really encouraging, and that is, uh, and we'll deal with this at another time, but in 4.4, in a number of places, if you watch the book of Acts, 
we're, we're told that you know, their number was up to 5,000. I mentioned first 3,000, up to 5,000. Sometimes it said God was adding to the church daily. Those were being saved. All right. Um, but we need to remember Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And the work of the progress of the gospel will not be thwarted by any evil realm. It is not going to happen. So, we're on the winning team. God is going to have his victories. He calls us to what? Speak his word boldly and let's keep moving forward. And when there's pushback, let's accept that and go, yeah, we're we're anticipating that because the early church had that very same pushback because we are, with our message, disturbing people's security. And we may experience some animosity from them because it's not comfortable. That's okay. We're going to keep preaching, and we're going to keep loving, and we're going to keep being kind, and we're going to continue to proclaim the grace of God that we all need. And God is going to use that to reach some. Father, thank you. Thank you that uh, you've given us this magnificent message, this reality that in Jesus Christ, proven by his resurrection from the dead, that there is an eternal hope. And whether, Father, it is a reality that we, we cling to when we just yesterday are celebrating Clyde's homegoing, which we will again celebrate with Lucille's homegoing, and, and Joe, we anticipate, perhaps not too long down the line. Whether it's among ourselves, Father, that we celebrate this, we also proclaim it with confidence that there will be others who will enter into that truth others whom you will give us as a church the wonderful joy of introducing through the knowledge of the Savior. What a magnificent privilege we would count that, Father, if many in the course of this next year will come to saving faith in Jesus Christ because we have been faithful to speak with boldness that which you have commanded us to proclaim. Oh, Lord, fill us with joy and enthusiasm for just such a thing, I ask in Jesus' precious name.